So uh, today we're going to jump into the message, and we're walking into, um, man, I think it's week seven in the book of Daniel. We're in chapter six of Daniel. We've been walking through this, and we've really been talking about how to be a Daniel where we live. So I don't know about you, but there are moments in all of our life where we think, am I the only one here serving Jesus, right? Like that can happen in your family. It can happen in your workplace, sometimes in your community. We have these moments where we feel like we're in Babylon in our life. And we've said that there's three things that we think Daniel did that helped him go straight when he was in the middle of Babylon. We've said this is one, he learned how to have convictions without being a jerk, I think that's a great thing, right? Like, I want, I want to be someone with convictions, but I don't want to be a jerk. Number two, he's a, he learned how to live out his faith for the long haul. Jeremiah 29.7 prophesied to Daniel when he was taken from his home, and the, the Hebrew boys, when they were removed from this home, that they would live in Babylon, that they would plant gardens, they would make it their home, they would be there. Daniel did it. It actually said that your success and the success of the city you're serving will be connected, which just honestly blows my mind because you would think, why would God want Daniel to plant gardens in a pagan city? But he did. And we see the fruit of what God was doing in that empire because of Daniel. Some of you feel this. You feel like, man, I could move away. I could live somewhere else. I could go somewhere else. But I'm called here. I'm called here for the long haul to see what God will do, to be salt and light to my community, to be a Daniel. And the third one is this, is to have courage when the high stakes are high. Like Daniel, like in these defining moments of his life, he had character and courage to make great decisions. When you look back on your life, you'll look back on key moments where you're like, man, I made the right decision there. I was prepared for it there. Some of us look back and go, I had to recover from a decision that I wasn't ready for. But in all of those defining moments, God will give us courage and strength. Today's message is about how to have courage when the stakes are high. And we're going to look at probably the most famous chapter in the book of Daniel. Daniel 6 is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And I actually have some authentic pictures of Babylonian lions. Let's see if we have those. I had so much fun this week with the kids telling the Daniel stories, and those are actual masks that we pulled out, and the kids, just whoever got to wear those masks won a prize. I almost thought about bringing them out for you guys, but I decided against it. In this story, Daniel has this moment where he's asked not to pray, and he's facing the lion's den. And so we want to walk through and look at this story. What we're going to do is just do a quick little Bible study, and I'll share some application of it. It starts with this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators um, as supervisors to sur supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more than capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. When I read this chapter, um, I circled the word Daniel's great ability. And I want to give you some context of what was happening in this chapter just to make sure we're all on the same page. In the last chapter, there was another king. It was the last king of Babylon. His name was Belshazzar. And he, he threw a party 
um, when the Medes were 50 miles down the Euphrates getting ready to attack him. King Nebuchadnezzar fought wars. Belshazzar threw parties. And because of that, he was defeated. In fact, the handwriting on the wall, that famous phrase that we hear all the time, is God telling this king, you've been weighed and measured and found wanting. And he led Babylon to the destruction of Babylon. He was assassinated, and there was a new king, and now it's no longer a Babylonian king. It's a Persian Mede king that has taken over Babylon and expanded his empire to even bigger than Babylon. So as we read this story, here's what happens. Daniel's in the middle of chaos. How many here like just love change? Are, are any of you like, I, I, there's people, right? It's like, hey, you know what? Things aren't working. Let's change it. How many like just resist change? You're like, I hate it. If I could wake up and do the same thing every day, that would just be so awesome. And what you'll find is this, is if you love change, you married someone who doesn't. If you, if you um, hate change, you married someone who loves it, right? Like it just, like that's how it works in our culture. What's fascinating about Daniel is Daniel seemed to thrive in change. He thrived in chaos. He, 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 he actually got promoted. It seemed like everything went wrong. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I love to lead. Like, that is just in my nature. Like, if we're in a room and we're trying to figure out who's the leader, I'll probably nominate myself, right? I'll be like, hey, I'll, I'll give this a try. Daniel had this unique style of leadership where it seemed like every time there was chaos thrown at him, he got promoted. Somehow this kingdom got taken over. I don't know what that was like for Daniel. If I was Daniel and I was working for Belshazzar, I would be backseat driving that king so bad. I'd be like, hey, king, I know you're throwing this party and all. What if we create like a military strategy you know, what, what if we maybe fortify some areas? Have you ever thought about maybe protecting yourself so you don't get assassinated? I mean, I would just be like throwing out some ideas, right? I'd be like, can you see that things aren't going well? We should make some changes. I don't know how Daniel did it. Somehow that king gets assassinated. There's a new king, and the king sees something in Daniel. The king is a much better leader than Belshazzar. He actually organizes the kingdom into 120 provinces. It's like states. And then he picks three people to lead those provinces, and one of them is Daniel. So Daniel's like essentially a president who's like got federal money, who's overseeing the provinces. And there's two other leaders, and those leaders are jealous of Daniel because they're realizing this. Daniel is way more capable, way more highly effective as a leader than they are, and they're jealous of what Daniel's doing couple things that I think helped Daniel thrive in the middle of this is one, Daniel had track record. And when you think of track record, I don't want us to just think of Daniel's track record of ability. Daniel had a track record that in the middle of chaos, he understood this, that God was in charge of the people who were in charge of him. And I think some of us, we find ourselves in businesses or in a stage of life where there's just a lot of chaos. And we have to remind ourselves, the thing that brings peace in chaos is not circumstance, it's the God you know. It's not what you know as a leader. 
our leadership skills, we have them, we use them. I was thinking in my own life about leadership. I was like, when there's a problem, I've got like four options, right? Maybe you have, you pick one of these, right? Some of us, we grab the steering wheel, right? We're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead my way through this decision. I'm going to white knuckle it. I'm going to figure it out. Me, I grab a microphone. Does that shock anybody? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk my way out of this. If you have a sales job, you're probably with me. You're like, I can talk my way through this problem. Some of you are comp- incredible planners and organizers. You're like, you know how I'm going to fix this problem? I'm going to get a computer. I'm going to draw up a plan. I'm going to write this thing up. Some of you are craftsmen. You're like, I'm going to build my way out of this. I'm going to build all these amazing things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of it that way, right? And some of, some of us, like, we're coffee shop people. We're, like, going to network with people. We, we have our thing that we think gets us out of the chaos. And what I found is this, is that is an important part of the job. You need to have a track record where that's what you do. But for Daniel, the thing that I think brought him peace is that he knew God was in charge of the people who was in charge of him. And so when chaos happened, he trusted that God would lead him through this, and he looked back at all the times God had provided before. If you're in chaos, I want to ask you this question. Can you look back at your own history and remember, this is where God provided then, This is where God got me through then. This is where God got me through. I remember when we were first married, the first month we were married, my wife and I, I think our rent was $490 a month at the time. I was working at the tuxedo club for $8 an hour. And uh, I I had a part-time job as an intern youth pastor. They would give me $500 a month. And I remember when the first month ended and I paid all my bills. And I was just like, that's good. Can can I never do it again? (laughs) You know, you, but I remember that was such a big deal to me. I look back on it now and I laugh. I think it's hilarious. It was a big, but what happens is this is over time you build track record and you start to understand, hey, God provided for me last month. God's going to provide for me this month and you begin to build faith, I think Daniel had track record with God, and it's what allowed him to thrive in chaos. Uh, Chapter 6, it says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. Listen to this. Daniel was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. How many would like to hire someone like that? How many want to become someone like that? So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusation will be um, accusing Daniel in connection with some of the rules of his religion. Daniel was faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. I actually have one sentence that I think can help us be all three of those things at once. Daniel did what Daniel said he would do. Daniel did what Daniel said he would do. If you want to be faithful, if you want to be responsible, if you want to be trustworthy, if you want to be like Daniel, you become the kind of person who says, I said I would do it and I'll follow through and get it done. Daniel lived that way, and because of it, he was continually promoted in opportunities, and I think he was a perfect person for God to use. 
Now, notice this. I don't think Daniel got it right every time. I, I just, he's not perfect. He wasn't Jesus. In our life, if we have a track record of doing what we said we would do, on those rare moments when it doesn't work, what will people do? They'll give you grace. They'll give you grace. They'll go, hey, we know that that's not normal for you. But for Daniel, he had built this reputation. And so the, the, this group of people, these other two leaders, decide, we're going we're gonna to trap Daniel. And they, they create a plan. They go to the king. And the king was probably dealing with trying to unite his kingdom. And so one of the ways to do that would be to get everybody to pray to the king so these 120 provinces would be united under one king and one main leader. And so they said, hey, king, we have this brilliant idea for 30 days. Let's have everybody pray only to you as a show of unity in your entire kingdom. The king's like, brilliant idea. So he signs an edict to an irreversible law. The king makes this decision. He forgets about Daniel and his God and his plan. The king loved Daniel and the leadership that Daniel was bringing to his empire. He didn't realize how this would impact Daniel. So in verse 10, it says this. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God for help. How did Daniel thrive in the middle of chaos? He had a continual connection to God. Daniel knew this, that there's one thing that cannot be severed in my life if I'm going to be a leader in a Persian empire. I need to be connected to God. Martin Luther, the Reformationist, said, on the days I'm the busiest, I pray twice as long. That, that's hard, because I don't know if you're shaped like me, but on the days I'm busiest, I wake up and just start working. But somewhere along the way, he realized he needed that connection with Jesus to make the great decisions. Daniel knew it was not worth it to sever that connection. I went and read some um, data on prayer this week, and uh, I was encouraged as I wrote. You know, coming out of the pandemic, it feels like most Christian statistics went the wrong way. If anyone noticed any of that, just maybe me as a pastor, that's what I do. You probably don't search Pew Research very often, but I do. Do you know this? Um, coming out of the pandemic, it says 25% of Christians after the pandemic said prayer had become a stronger part of their life. Somehow, when we get in chaos, we know we need to pray. We know we need that moment. For many Americans, it says more than half of Americans say that they pray every day. 55% of Americans say they pray every day. 21% of Americans say they pray weekly or monthly. 23% of people in America say they seldom or never pray. And even among those who don't attend church regularly, 20% say that prayer is a daily part of their life. 55% of Christians say they rely on prayer as a source of strength in their life. Daniel is showing us how important prayer is. One of the things that I was praying for in this room today as we were thinking about how do we apply this message is to ask this question, what does it look like for you to make prayer 
a more important part of your daily life. In every, circum, in every circumstance you'd have, I would like to think that the enemy's first plan in your life would be to get you to stop praying. And here's what I think happens. When, when we stop praying, it all comes on you. You want to have more anxiety, more stress, more worry in your life? Just leave it up to yourself. I got this. I'll do this. I'm on my own. It's my thing. Prayer reminds us that God's in control of the things we can't control. And how many know there's a lot of those things? Verse 16, here's what happens. It says, so at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to the palace and spent the night fasting and he refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep all night. The king prays to Daniel's God for Daniel. I was asking this question, how do we live in such a way that people who don't even believe will see our example and actually want to pray to our God. I was thinking of the three things I was teaching the kids all week this week. We taught this kid, the kids this, to be a Daniel is this, to do what's right when no one's looking, right? To stick with it when, thing gets, when things get tough and to be brave when it really matters. I, I think these are the things we need to develop in our heart and in our life. Some of us, we might want to take a picture of that and pray it over our grandkids, pray it over our kids, put it on our refrigerator, talk to our kids about stories about how these things happen. It was amazing. At one time in the meeting, I began to ask the kids, hey, what are things you can do that would make you like a Daniel? One kid raises her hand, go, I could, I could pray every day. One of the kids says, I could read my Bible. Another kid says, I can brush my teeth when my mom told me to. <laughs> Their hearts were grabbing a hold of this concept. So here's what happens. Verse 19, it says, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he um, had trusted in his God. Here's the big lines I took away. I have been found innocent in his sight, Daniel says. Daniel was living in such a way that God saw him. He trusted that God saw him even when the king made a horrible decision. Two, not a scratch was on him because he trusted God. One of the prayers that I had for today was this, is that we would not be the kind of people that become lion tamers. Like, I think too often we trust in our own ability and so I pictured Daniel in the lion's den with like a whip in a chair. And he's like, I'm doing everything I can to keep. Instead, he just literally goes, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to trust God in this circumstance. I've been faithful. I've been diligent. I've done my part. God sees me. 
I'm not going to just walk in and try and be a lion tamer. Like, how many would you, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to read up all night about how to, how to deal with the lions. You know, like, I, I would be trying to plan my way out of this whole thing, trying to use all of my strengths, you know, everything I've watched from Indiana Jones I would try, you know. I'd, I mean, I, I would do that. I mean, I am wired that way, and I find this. When I hang on to that kind of nature, my stress level just goes up. When I understand I've done my part, now it's God's turn to do his part. There's an incredible peace and connection in it. I wrote down four things that will help us to have um, courage when the stakes are high. Just coming out of this story. The first one is this, is you got to build it before you need it. you got to build it before you need it. There's two things that you can't get in a hurry. A life of prayer and community. A life of prayer and community. I always say, you know how strong your community is when you move. Because if you ask someone to move and they say yes, you're real friends, right? If you ask someone to give you a ride to the airport, real friend. You find out who your community is really quick. You have to build it before you need it. The thing that got Daniel into the lion's den was the thing that got Daniel out of the lion's den. He went in because he prayed, and it was prayer that delivered him out. It was his preparation years before that made him ready for these difficult moments. I I like to think that maybe I would never have a lion den experience, and I probably will never be thrown in a den of lions. That would be a very rare experience for most people. But we know this. We have hard circumstances where it feels like we're in the fire, where we're challenged. And in these high-stakes moments, it will be a lifetime and a track record of prayer and faithfulness that walks us through it. Ernest Hemingway said this, courage is grace under pressure. Courage is grace under pressure. That when we feel that pressure, we feel that weakness, we know that God is making us strong. In James 1, 2, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Build it before you need it. Number two, do consistently what others do occasionally. Daniel had consistent prayer and consistent follow-through. Because of that, there was this sense that God was with them in this moment. In verse 19, it says, the king says, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. No one is perfect. No one gets it right. But the continual practice makes it happen. Third thing, and we'll invite the band to come back up, is this, is know who does the saving. Know who does the saving. If you have high-pressure moments in your life, that's a big deal. There's change of stage moments. There are, there are moving moments. There are start-over moments. When we have those moments, know this, it's God who did the saving. Daniel didn't save himself. God saved him. And maybe there's somewhere in your life today where you would go, hey, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus and trust that he's going to deliver me through this current circumstance. And the fourth thing I wrote down is this, is trust God. Trust that wherever you're at right now, that God will do the saving. I invite you guys to stand as we close.
I think there were years of my life where I tried to, um, my whole goal was just to avoid chaos. Anybody else, right? I mean, no one wants to make it, right? Just we, we avoid it. And somewhere along the way, I realized that chaos is always going to be a part of the journey. Like you're, you're, I don't think there's ever a week where you're like, you know what, this week, everything was perfect. Right? I, honestly, this camp that we did this week was probably as close as you could get to perfect. I mean, it, it, went, it went off without a hitch. It was interesting, even like the night before camp, a leader from another camp calls my wife panicked. And I watched my wife with all the details, all the stress, everything that she was organizing, she wasn't panicked. And I said, why aren't you panicked right now? I mean, like, this is like, like we're going to have 200 kids this week, you know, thing. And she says, it's because we've done this before. And then she looked at me and she goes, and this is God's camp. This is God's camp. And I was like, oh, that, that was a way better answer than I had. I just, I just wonder if you need to say, um, hey, this kid that I'm worried about and concerned of what's going on in their life, this is God's kid, right? This family, my spouse, this is, this is God's spouse. This is God's family, right? This job I have, I'm doing this for an audience of one. I'm doing this for God. My concern about security or provision or health or my body, uh, I'm in God's hands. I can trust him with the things that are most important to me. 